Welcome to the New Birth Baptist Church Pulpit Podcast, a weekly service brought to you from the sanctuary of New Birth Baptist Church in Walnut Cove, North Carolina. We pray these messages and these sermons will be a help to you in your daily walk, and we look forward to you subscribing and coming back every day. May God bless you and have a wonderful day. Well, good evening, folks, and uh, looking forward to what we're going to hear tonight. Uh, you say, well, you, wait a minute, you're the one talking. Well, yes, um, but I truly believe that uh, I try to listen to what the Lord would want me to say, not what I want to say. And so I have three little sentences tonight for my notes, uh, and we'll get to those here in a minute. And I have studied, I have prayed, I have read and reviewed, and I try to do my part to get ready for church service, and I ask you to do the same. Uh, We're a church, and the church is in it together. Uh, I just serve a particular role, but you have a role too, and that's to be supportive of being in church, um, working in the church, supporting the church, praying for the church, praying for the pastor, praying for each other, praying for the ministries, uh, and playing your part. And we're going to see tonight... um, Uh, The title of this one tonight is Base Your Life on the Bible. And we're going to go through some roles within the family and see tonight how God wishes for us to be, how he wants us to to be as a Christian, how he wants us to to serve each other, and at the same time definitely serve him. And so tonight we're going to pray, as we always do, because uh, without asking him to be a part of this and inviting him in, it's, it's of no good. And so we need to be a part of of what God's work is. And part of that work, praying. And so let's take time to pray tonight. Pray for my family, for sure. I'm sure you may have heard some coughing and may even be hearing it now in the background. Uh, They're both getting over this the best they can. And so you pray for my family. Pray for those in our church that we have mentioned. I'm sure that there are prayer requests on the phone and online. And I will go back and look at each and every one of them. And uh, you can always send me a personal message and a personal text or just pick up the phone and call. And uh, we can know how each other's doing and know what our prayer requests are and, uh, and help each other. So let's do that tonight. So let's pray. Father, we bow before you. It's a time we can uh, call upon you now to be of a help to us. Lord, to help us prepare our minds and our hearts and our souls. Lord, I need it. Lord, so many times I know that I may do it, and I know other preachers and other people may do it, that, that our prayer sounds like, a, uh, sounds like preaching. The Lord, it ought to be just talking with you. Father, help me to know how to pray. Show me how to pray. And Lord, I pray that I listen to you. Lord, tonight we just need your help. I need it. My family needs it. Our church is surely needing it right now. Our country needs your help. I know that we've ventured away from you, and I know that that's not a good thing. And Father, I pray that you just uh, help us to come back. Lord, I think of the prodigal son. You know all about that message. And Father, I pray that as we come running back to you, that you'll be meeting us right where you want us to be. Father, help the message tonight. Encourage me through your word, through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of me now that this message would be a help to the people. Lord, I need that help. These people need it that are listening, that are watching, 
We all need it. Lord, without you, without your power, we're so weak. And so, Lord, now I ask you to strengthen us all in the day that we're living. Lord, pick us up, put us on your place and not ours. Help us to look to the things above, not to the things of this earth. We've already watched and read that. So, Lord, help us to live it tonight. And, Lord, we just love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for it all. For it's in Christ's precious and sweet name that we pray. Amen. We had trouble with YouTube this morning, but I think we may be good this afternoon, as best as we can tell. Um, so we'll just have to keep tweaking things as we go. We got a bunch of followers on YouTube, so I want to make sure that we keep it right. So to you that are following us on YouTube and watching tonight, just bear with me as I try to get all the technology like it's supposed to be. Things change and I have to adapt. And of course, you faithful Facebook followers, we're so happy that you're with us again tonight. And of course, those that are on the phone. And uh, you just show mercy and grace to me, trying to get this right and keep it right. And uh, Jack's been tweaking some things in the background, hopefully to make it what it's supposed to be in all platforms. And I'm thankful for the technology, thankful for the blessings that the Lord has given us to be able to keep having church like this, but it doesn't replace being in the church house. And so you pray tonight as we come to you live from downtown Lawsonville at our home, and hopefully we'll be back in the church this Wednesday night. Um, we're not going to go back in person this Wednesday night, but we hopefully will go back in person next Sunday. Uh, so get that on your calendar. And of course, just as this time we've had to adapt, we may have to do it again, but you pray that next Sunday we'll be back. I think that'll be, what, the 13th? And so mark it on your calendar, February 13th, back in the church house. Invite somebody to come, and that'll be a good thing. Colossians chapter number 3 once again tonight. I've enjoyed these messages. I've enjoyed studying these messages. It's been several years ago that I, that I taught in the Bible college this, this book, but preaching it's different than teaching it. Uh, teaching it gives you sort of the, the technical and the theological aspects of the, of the book that can then be preached. And so I've got some of that background, but the most uh, background I have is just reading it, studying it, and asking the Lord to show me what it is. So tonight we're going to begin reading in verse number 15. Uh, and I want to start there just to, to reiterate some verses because verse 17 leads into verse 18, and verse 18 is where we officially start tonight. Verse number 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. See that, that word rule is in there. So there's this idea of something controlling you, something influencing you, something that is setting a standard. And that standard is God's standard. And the only way we know that standard is to know his word and know him. There's, there's no other way. And so we have to let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We just mentioned that. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So it's all about the heart. How many times has he said it already? At least twice. And so here, verse 17, this sets the stage to carry on into verse 18. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, meaning everything, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Verse 18, wives, 
Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as, is, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. How do we break this down? Well, several years ago, I participated in a program through the Stokes County Arts Council called the Living Storybook. And the Living Storybook was uh, about fables, about stories, children's stories. And the name of ours was Don't Count Your Chickens Before They Hatch. Um, don't, oh no, that's not right. Don't Count Your Chickens Before They Cry Wolf. I did the, I did the right one. But the, the story was a mix of different stories and fables. Now the way they did this is there's this gigantic book that's behind the scene. And every scene that changes, they turn the page in this giant book. And so we would act out. Now I wasn't one of the actors, I was one of the music musicians. I played the drums. And my friend Amy and Sherburn and Jason, all of us, all four of us were the band for the Living Storybook that year. Traveled all over Stokes County, all the schools and presented the living storybook. Well, I have in front of me a book that is living. It's called The Living Word of God. It's not dead. And when something is living, it ought to be active. Who's it going to be active in? Well, it's going to be in the act it's going to be active in the one that reads it. It's going to be active in the one that understands it. It's going to be active in the one that is trying to live it. So the living storybook that we're going to talk about tonight is the Bible. And it is alive. It is God himself. It's not just a bunch of words on, a, on paper. It's not just organized in a, in a way to, to make it easy. It's organized in a way that God wants us to understand it. So I ask you tonight, there's no, how do you, what do you base your life on? When you're talking about living and you're talking about a living book, and, and yes, the Bible is in a way a, a storybook. It's got many stories. It's got a lot of history. It's got a lot of songs. It's got a lot of prophecy. It's got a lot of what tomorrow is, go, is going to look like. So it's got a lot about what yesterday looked like, but it also tells us how to be today. So there's no better place for us to, to live than in the Bible. So tonight, looking at these verses, I thought, well... You know, we just need to base our life on the Bible. And I believe that's what Paul is telling the, the Colossians. He's given them all this warning. I can go back and look at my little notes here. I've got to update them because I'm behind a couple of messages. You look at the things we've already talked about. He's saying Christ ought to be first and he ought to be the fullness of your life and prayer ought to be a, a critical part and, and the, the, the materialism and ceremonialism. Yeah, that's, that's not really that important. And then there's the, the idea of uh, being aware of, of things that are around us and the difficulties. And then we got to make sure that we're established in the faith, that we set and we settle and that we seek those things which are above and, and not on this earth. 
And then, of course, we've talked about all of those different things. And we've talked about uh, what to put off and what to put on. Having a new wardrobe. And now we come to this how to be. And it goes through all of the really the main components of, of, of who we are. Of course, it's, it doesn't address them all, but it begins to. And we have to get a, have a starting place. And so you as husbands, you as wives, you as children, you as employees, they're all listed here, by the way. We do have a framework to operate in. We do have rules that ought to rule in our heart. We do have things that God wants us to be, people he wants us to be, characteristics that he wants us to have, how we are one to another. And I believe he's reminding the Colossians that in this new life of Christ, we can do these things because we're not dependent on ourselves. You remember in the Old Testament, they depended a great deal on works. It was the works of the high priest. It was the worst of the works of the priesthood. It was the works of the people. All played a role. You see, there was a group of people called the, the Levites, and their responsibility was the tabernacle, the pieces of the tabernacle, the work of the tabernacle. And, of course, the high priest was responsible for the work of the sacrifices, and the, the other priests were assisting in those roles. But you had the high priest that only could go behind the, the veil and only could go there once a year carrying the blood to sprinkle for the atonement of the people. And it was called the Day of Atonement. But then there was the people. The people had rules. The people had ways that they were to bring their sacrifice, depending on what they had. Every level of every people had a way, had something that they could bring, and the Lord laid it out. So we know that the Lord wants us to live by standards, by rules, and he's going to govern us. But the good thing now is it's not about our works. It's not about what we do necessarily to please the Lord. It's that we have Christ living in us and that we accept Christ as personal Savior. And it says here in verse 17, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, whatever you speak, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father, God and the Father by him. By who? By Christ. So we have this jumping off place where everything that we do, husband, wife, mama, daddy, children, employees, we have this jumping off place. We have this overarching governing body that says everything we do, we do for him. The problem with the way that maybe this message is preached and the way that these verses are understood is that we're thinking personally. We're thinking with the flesh. We're thinking with our own mind. We're thinking of what it's going to do for me and what it's not going to do for me. We're not doing it in the, in the sense that everything that we're going to do as husband, wife, children, servant is really for the Lord. The Lord is not going to ask us to do something that is contrary to all of our health. He's not going to do it. He's not going to ask us to do something contrary to our physical health or our spiritual health. In fact, the opposite. Everything he wants us to do is that we grow closer to him, closer to each other, and that we help each other in the days that we're living, in the times that we got ahead of us. There's another place in Scripture we'll go to in a minute in Ephesians chapter 5. 
But I want, you, I want to jump right off here. So keep that statement in mind that whatsoever you do, all the things that you do, you do for him. So wives, it starts with the wives, so I'm going to start with the wives. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Not fit in the eyes of man, not fit in the eyes of the government, not fit in the eyes of yourself. It says that you submit yourselves, that you give honor to the husband, that you have a duty to your husband, but you do it out of love. You don't do it out of necessity. You don't do it because you, you think it's going to put a nice check in the box in the future. You don't do it to bribe him. You don't do it to, to set him up. You don't do it for any of those reasons. You do it because you're his wife. What does this word submit mean? Back in Ephesians chapter 5, and you can marry up a lot of what's in Ephesians uh, with what's in the book of Colossians. It says, verse 15 of chapter number 5, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil, and they sure are. Wherefore ye be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And here he goes. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So again, the way that we do what is right as wives is that we do it as it is fit to the Lord. We do it here the way the Bible says, that we're filled with the Spirit, that we're understanding, that we're making the most of the time that we have. And it goes on to say in verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, wherein is the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it, he takes it a little bit of a different perspective here to start off here. He says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear or the respect of God. That goes for everybody that's going to be listed after that. Now, this is just adding to what's being spoken here. So yes, wives, you have a duty. You have a, you have a, uh, uh, it's more than a duty. You should have a desire. A desire to submit yourselves unto your own husbands. What does it mean, submit? Submit means that you give reverence to an extent because even Sarah called Abraham Lord. But I don't want Sherry calling me Lord. I don't expect her to. I don't want her to. And, and she won't because she doesn't need to. That's not what this means. She doesn't bow down to me. She would never do that. No woman should ever have to bow down to a man. That's not the submission that we're talking about here. The submission here is you submit to him in his heavenly way, in his lordship way from following after Jesus Christ. If he is following after the Lord and doing what the Lord wants for your family, you should have no trouble submitting to his will for the family and for you when it comes to spiritual things. Now, Sherry doesn't have to ask permission to do anything. What we do is we have a mutual understanding that we will let each other know what each other's doing and where we're going. And if it causes a conflict in what I had or what she had, we'll come up with a way to fix it. That's what marriage is about. But yes, there is a hierarchical role in God's eyes of who the head of the home is, and it's not the wife. 
The wife is to be submissive to the husband as the head of the home. Read it. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, back in <coughs> Ephesians chapter 5. Even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wife be to her own husbands in everything. Now that word everything blows people's minds. Again, everything in a sense that you two are already on the same page about most everything. That you're not at odds one with another. That there's not a lot of disagreement about the finances in the house. About the materialistic things within the house. About the way the children are raised in the house. About the Bible and its place in the house. About prayer and its place in the house. About church and its place in the house. Those are things that are going to come up in every marital relationship. If there are odds in those things, there's going to be difficulty. And usually the reason that there are odds in those things is you're doing it to please yourself. Just pick one. Just pick one. If you're not doing things as unto the Lord, it ain't going to work. So you have to understand in context Verse 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So wives, it would be easy. But I know it's not always easy. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You know, I'm going to just meddle a little bit here. There's some bad jokes out there and there's some bad um, portrayals of wives out there. And, and Hee Haw did a good job of, of making that known. And there were some other programs and shows. If you remember the episode in the Andy Griffith show where the husband and wife were throwing dishes and cups at each other and fussing and fighting and bickering and all the time. And in the end of that show, it had come up that they're happier doing that. That's not good. That's not the way it should be. But there shouldn't be a lot of that going on in the house. So husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, there shouldn't be a lot of nagging from the wife and there shouldn't be a lot of nagging from you. There ought to be a mutual understanding and respect between the two. Husbands, don't expect your wives to have everything perfect in your home. Wives, don't expect your husbands to always do exactly what you want in the timeline that you want it done. There's a mutual understanding between the two. So husbands, don't be bitter. It even goes a little further here. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. What does that mean? You're willing to do anything to please your wife. You're willing to do anything to take care of your wife. You're willing to sacrifice anything to take care of your wife. Now I know if there are husbands and wives watching this right now and they're sitting on a couch beside each other or they're sitting across the room from each other Occasionally, heads are glancing up and eyes are being cut throughout the whole thing. I know that. Sherry's over there laughing at it now. She knows it's true. I know it's true and you know it's true. Jack's even looking at both of us because he knows what happens in this house. But it ain't always agreeable. We don't always want to do things the same way. Usually I end up submitting in contrary to what the Bible says. <coughs> Am I right? Men, 
Yes. We can joke about these things, but only to an extent. Because everything we're doing ought to be done as we would do it unto the Lord. And our house should be honoring and pleasing to the Lord. And we ought to base our life on the Bible. And if the Bible says, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, there's a reason for that. Husbands, you walk around with your head held high and your shoulders raised up and your chest poked out saying, I'm the head of the house. You know, that's fine. But you better live up to it. You better be ready to take the responsibility. How do I say that? Go on, read in verse number 26 of Ephesians chapter 5. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the sword. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy without blemish. That's Christ presenting the, the church before the Father. That's Christ presenting the Christian before the Father. I'm going to read those words again. That you, that he sanctify and cleanse with the washing of the word. That he might present it himself a glorious church. No spot, no wrinkle, no any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. That's the way Christ is going to present the, the, the church and the Christian before God. Keep in mind that Christ is our example and that everything we do, we do unto him. So men, puff your chest out. Hold your head up high. Shrug him shoulders back and stick it out and say, I'm the head of the house because here's your responsibility. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall join unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. All in the manner of the way Christ does the church and the church does Christ. We ain't even got off the husband and wife yet, but I think you get the point. God wants us to base our life on the Bible, period. He doesn't have any other standard for us to go by, but yet we want to mix it in. We want to create new ways. We want to make up our own rules. The government has made up more and more and more rules. They've made it easy to get divorced. They've made it easy to get married in whatever manner that you feel that you ought to get married, but we stand on one man, one woman. We believe that. The Bible believes that. Therefore, we believe that. We base our life upon the Bible. So we ought to live our life as a couple, not just as a Christian, but as a couple to please the Lord. So now, are my children on tonight? Can somebody give me a yes or a no? Is the, are the Shelton's on tonight? Don't know if they're on yet or not, but I hope they go back to this. My son is sitting here. I don't know if Marilee's watching. I don't know if any other children are watching tonight, but if they are, parents, wake them up. Help them to hear, Jack, children, and you still are, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing 
unto the Lord. He didn't go into much detail on that. He didn't take it too many steps further. But I'll say this in chapter number 6 or verse number 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well-pleasing, uh, may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. You hear that? Maybe your life is sort of hanging in the balance of whether you obey your parents or not. You better do it. And it says in some things, right? No. It says in all things, whether you agree with it or not, whether you understand it or not, whether you want to or not, whether you care about it or not. The Bible does not go into detail about a discussion taking place between husbands and wives and their children about what the children ought to be doing. But I can assure you it's a good thing if husband and wife agree, and it's a good thing if the child listens with respect to the mom and dad and says, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. I'll leave it there for the children. That's all you got to worry about. <coughs> Obey and honor your mother and father. Fathers, oh, we're back to the daddies. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Verse number four of chapter six of Ephesians. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The head of the house. You said you were the head of the house. You said you're the man of the home. You got your shoulders up. You got your chest out. Your hands on your hips saying, I'm the head of the house. Well, you better act like it. Don't provoke your children to anger. But what does it say do? In chapter 6 of Ephesians, it says that you nurture and that you admonish them in the Lord. What does that mean? You bring them up. You teach them. You give them his glory. You show them his glory. You tell them that they are one of his. And that they too have to follow after and make a decision to follow after Jesus Christ. You want to be head of the home, you better do it. You have a responsibility in that home to present your wife without blemish as Christ is going to present the Christian and church without blemish. You have a responsibility not to provoke your children to anger, but to bring them up in the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of God's word. That's what the Bible says. So now we've got the home taken care of. Now can you imagine if every home did it that way? There'd be no divorce rate. There'd be no problems with, with kids being on drugs and alcohol and, and committing all kinds of crimes and, and wrongdoing. There'd be no need for juvenile detention centers. There'd be no need for divorce lawyers. There'd be no need for divorce settlements. There'd be no need for, for palimony and alimony and whatever other money you want to call it. There'd be no need for any of those things because we based our life on the Bible. But it goes outside the home. And now we're talking about everywhere else you go, whether it's talking about the church, talking about the, the workplace, wherever you go after that. Keep in mind, we're still living by verse 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. The love of God ought to dwell in you, and if it does, you'll live your life as the Bible would ask you to, even outside the home. So servants, what does that mean? Well, in modern day terms, employee. Literally back then, they had slaves. They had bond slaves, bond servants. 
they were, 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 were bought and, and, and traded and, and let go and released and, and put, I mean, all the time. But here we're talking about a servant's duty to, to the people in which he serves. You as an employee, you serve your employer. Do they not have rules? Do they not expect you to be here on time? Do they not expect you to give a full day's work? Do they not expect you to give honor to the company? Children, when you go to school, do they not expect you to be there on time? Do they not, do they not expect you to do your work? Do they not expect you to turn your work in? Do they not expect you to do the best that you can? Of course they do. So in every aspect of life, excuse me, we are a servant. We're a servant definitely one to another, but we serve ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve the Father. We serve the things that are of heaven. And yes, of this earth. The people of this earth. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. What does that mean? It means that you honor their rules. You do what they say. You play by the rules. You play by their way of doing business. Now people today, man, they're changing jobs right and left. I have one full-time job. And I'm glad of that. I wish I could have finished it out, but now I'm serving in a different capacity. I'm now serving my church. I'm now serving my community. I'm serving my family. So yes, this servant boils down into the church. That we serve one another. That you go by the rule, rules of the church. What's the rules of the church? We're holding it in our hands. The word of God. Do we have bylaws? Sure we do. Some things in the world of man have caused us to have additional bylaws that we explain our stance on certain things. And that's okay. Just know that when you come into the church, you're ready to live by the Bible. You're ready to base your life on the Bible. Are we doing it though? Servants, obey all things in your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart fearing God. You're not doing it to put on a show. You're not doing it to get a paycheck, although you do. You're doing it because you want to. Now, Tomorrow's Monday. I know this message is just like, yeah, right. I'm to get up in the morning and I'm to be just as happy as I can be to go to work or to go to school. To be a servant to somebody tomorrow and do exactly what they say when they want, to, want me to do it and how. And then go home when they want me to and not before. And they're going to pay me as much as they say they're going to pay me. Not what I asked for. Yep, that's exactly what the Bible says. Obey in all things your masters. Not to be recognized. Not to get a company award. Not to be on the honor roll, although that's a good thing. But all of this, folks, all of this is in singleness of heart, reverencing God. You understand that? When we please our employers, when we please our teachers, when we please the, the pastor, when, when the pastor pleases the people and the, and the deacons and the trustees and, and all of that, when we are pleasing one to another, we're surely, if we're doing it God's way, we're pleasing to the Lord. But if we're pleasing each other, trying to get away from the Bible and not do it the Bible way, we're not going to be pleasing to him. It's a whole circuit of completion that we've got to make sure that we're, we're in on. Singleness of heart. Meaning that my heart's not over here in this company. My heart's not over here in this building. My, not, my heart's not over here on the golf course. My heart is in the singleness of God, doing what God wants us to do. So there we have it. We have the home, 
and we have what's outside the home. All about being something one to another. Fully admit, as the pastor of your church, that I have not always been pleasing to my son or my wife. And if I had to say this, some of you may not be pleased with me right now for not being in church. Some of you may not have been pleased in the past of some of my decisions. Some of you may not be pleased with directions that I have gone in the past because it didn't fit what you wanted. It didn't go down the path that you thought it should go down. And I get that because I've been a church member too. And I haven't always been happy with the way things go. But one thing that I was is I was faithful. Is I kept coming back to church. I kept going to work. I kept coming home to my wife. I kept loving my son and raising him up the best that I can in the admonition, nurture and admonition of the Lord. I've done all of those things. You ought to be doing them too. Even though you're not always pleased. Even though you might not always agree. This is not about agreement. This is not about pleasing one another. It's about pleasing the Lord. And if we are obedient to his call to be the husband to the wife that we're supposed to be, the wife to the husband that you're supposed to be, the child to the parent, the parent to the child. See, he addressed the father about not provoking their children to anger, not getting in their face. Now, I've, I've raised my voice to him. Sherry's raised her voice to him. My parents, mama, she's listening. Maybe daddy is. I don't know. She raised more than her voice to me sometimes. But she did it because she wanted me to do the right thing. She wanted me to be corrected. She didn't want me to lie to her. She didn't want me to disrespect her. Dad either. I mean, my grandparents, my grandpa's got on me just as much. I can remember working with both of them. And I'd get angry at something or I'd be complaining about being there and, and they, would, they would set me straight. They would put me back on track. But I did it out of love. So husbands, when you don't agree with your wife, let's, let's fix this in love, not in a fight. Wives, try to understand the decisions your husband's trying to make for the benefit of the home and help him make the right one. Don't criticize him every time he goes does something wrong. Parents, watch how you talk to your children. Watch how you raise your voice to your children. Watch the things that you say one to another while they're listening. Watch the way you act one to another while they're watching because they're sucking it in, boys. I'm telling you, they are bringing it all in and they are going to begin to mimic you. They are going to follow after you. They're absolutely soaking it all in. The world is watching. When you're out in public, husband and wife, don't fight in public. Don't fight in the home, but surely don't take it out into the streets. Watch how you discipline children in public. Watch how you discipline them, discipline them in home. I know discipline is not what it used to be, and that may be part of the reason, if not the reason, that we have some of the issues that we have because the Bible says to spare the rod is to hate the child. Don't take it out of context. It's not, it's not that you, um, I'm not even going to go there. Spare the rod, hate the child is what the Bible says. You hate them. What does that mean? You don't care if I do right or wrong. Folks, we better care. 
that we're doing what's right and wrong in the eyes of the Lord. Verse number 23 is a reminder. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily with all you've got and all you are. Heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. That's going to become more and more difficult in the world that we're living in. Because our, our mindset is going to be challenged. Our tempers are going to be challenged. Our stance is going to be challenged. I'll just go ahead and say every aspect of our Christian life is going to be challenged. And there's going to have to be a decision made as to whether you stand or not and base your life on the Bible. The Bible is living. Verse 24, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive, ye shall receive, active, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord. See, all of us, if we keep the mindset that everybody in this household, in your household, everybody that is watching and listening tonight, I know that we have some widows and some widowers and we have some, some homes that, are, that don't have maybe one parent. I know that. I get that. I understand that. Because things have happened in the past, but guess what? They're in the past. It's time to move forward. If you've gone through a, a, a relationship breakup and you've gone through divorce, then move forward. Just do it the way God says. Look for that next person if they're there. But don't jump into it because you want to satisfy the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Wait for the Lord to tell you. Move in that direction at the discretion of the Lord, not, as, not for men. Receive the reward of inheritance, for ye, sure, ye serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's a pronouncement. He closes this chapter with this. And we'll get into chapter 4 later. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. The Bible says that we shall reap what we sow. This is, this is a specific way of saying it when it comes to the service of the Lord in our specific roles in, in our life of husband, wife, master, servant. And I, I'll say this in another place in the Bible. It also tells masters uh, to give honor to the, to the servant and, and pay them a good day's wage. Don't cheat them. Give them what they're worth. That's in the Bible. But it says, he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. The Old Testament refers to it as an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I'm, thank God, I'm thanking God right now for mercy and grace. Because can you go back and look in your life where a mistake was made? And in the Old Testament method, if you accidentally kill somebody on the roadway, your sentence was to be killed. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But under the mercy and grace of God today, there's this thing called forgiveness. Forgiveness has to exist in a relationship. Forgiveness has to exist in any relationship. Husband, wife, parent, child, pastor, congregation, congregation, pastor, employee, and employer. There has to be forgiveness Still rules, and if you keep breaking the rules, don't keep asking for forgiveness. Now, the Lord, he's better than us. 
It says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's ready to hear your sin every single day. He's ready to hear your repentance and your confession every single day. And believe me, we could stay at the foot of the cross asking for forgiveness on a daily basis. As husband, as wife, as parent, as child, as employee, as employer, as pastor, as, as teacher, as preacher, as, as church member, as deacon, as a trustee, as secretary, as treasurer, as whatever. We all can lay at the foot of the cross and ask for his forgiveness every day. And we will get what we do wrong we will receive for that wrong what we're due. And the good thing about this is God looks at each individual case, each individual circumstance, and he deals with it individually. He doesn't care who you are, doesn't care what you've done, doesn't care what your financial status is, doesn't care what your rank in the organization is, doesn't care if you're a husband, wife, child, employee, employer, didn't care. It says, and there is no respect of persons. With God, there is no respect of persons. What does that mean? He has no partiality. He has no favorites. I mean, that's just it. So as we go through this, I want to share these three things that I, that I wrote down. You just say, man, you're just getting into the message. No, I'm going to summarize them in these three things. I, did the, I, I kind of did the message in reverse. I didn't give you the three things first. I gave you what the Bible says, and I'm going to give you what I learned out of it. Number one, live the word. What does that mean? Well, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but I'll, I'll give you my, my brief thoughts. Everything we just went over is a way we ought to live life as a husband, as a wife, as a child, as an employee, as an employer, as a servant, one to another. We ought to have a desire to live the word, for the word is living inside of us. You remember that? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And by that scripture telling us and proclaiming to us that Jesus is the word, and Jesus is living inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are alive, then we ought to be living the word. Every day. Walking it every day. I'll move on. Do the word. What does that mean? Well, everything you do in, deed, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And it says this again, And whatsoever ye do, verse 23, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Actively do it. Just, 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 just say in your heart right now, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today, tomorrow, starting right now. I am going to do the word. I'm not only going to read it. I'm not only going to hear it. Faith without works is dead. Period. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to base my life on the Bible. And in doing so, I am going to do the word. We'll have trouble with that, every one of us, starting tomorrow, maybe even tonight. I don't want to be a downer. I'm just being real. But something's going to happen, and it's really going to test you. 
And it's really going to make you dig down deep and try to figure out, Lord, how am I going to react to this? How am I going to respond to this? At least I, I hope that's what you say first. But too many times we just, we're a Peter, we just let it fly. And we just say what comes to our minds without letting it be filtered by the heart. I wouldn't do anything to hurt my family. But I know that my words have before. I know that my actions may have before. So this living and this doing requires some forgiveness. It requires some forgiveness on the behalf of those that were on the receiving end of the wrong that you did. And it requires some repentance and confession on the end of the one that didn't live it and didn't do it. And this last one maybe is the most important. Because I believe if you do this last one, you'll do the first two. I believe if you do this last one, you'll do everything that we've talked about tonight. Boy, you and you say, man, you are setting me up to try to live a life of perfection. Actually, yes. Because our goal ought to be more and more and more like Christ every day. And that's moving in the direction of perfection. That's moving in the direction of righteousness. That's moving in the direction of holiness. All three words are given to us in the Bible that we should live a righteous life, that we should walk circumspectly. That means righteously, with, it, with, a, with good character, with good morals, with good ethics. And so holiness, righteousness, all of those things are directions that we ought to be moving in. And I honestly believe that if we do this last one, and you heard me say do, more than doing, it's a mindset, it's a heart set, it's a, it's a body, soul, and spirit thing. And it's one thing that we're missing, I believe, in everybody's walk today, in everybody's life, in everybody's function, in everybody's duty. We have to love the Word. To love it means you want, you have an affection towards it. You want to hear it. You want to read it. You want to learn it. You want to know more about it. I mean, there's, there's the three, the two that come to mind every single time is thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It shows me right where I'm at and a, and a light unto my path. It shows me where I'm going. A lamp shines right here. A light shines out. And so I need God's word to walk circumspectly, to be in the right place, to be able to see where I stand as a husband and as a wife and as a, as, as a child. See, I believe when you go back and read Ephesians chapter 6, it says children obey your parents. But I also know that it says to honor thy mother and father. That can be done at any age and ought to be done at any age. So the Bible lights my path and it shows up an area here that I'm standing of whether I'm being the, number one, the, the Christian, the husband, the father, the pastor, the friend, the employee used to be. Am I being those things? And the only way that I know if I am is that if I love the word to the point that I want to know what it says. I'm not waiting on the preacher to tell me. 
I'm not waiting on the pastor to get on my, get on my nerves. I'm not waiting on the pastor to, to, to step on my toes. I'm not waiting on the pastor to, 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 to cut my feet out from under me. I'm doing it on my own. I'm letting the power of the Holy Ghost through the speaking of the Word, through the reading of the Word, through the meditating on the Word, I'm allowing that to be my guide. I'm allowing that to be my lighthouse to where I know where to stay away from and how far I can go. I've told that story about the woman whose carriage driver passed away. We should never want to get as close to wrong as we can and still be right. Did you hear what I said? We should want to stay as far away from wrong as we possibly can. You see, the first two, one of them said they could get within about six inches of the edge of the cliff before the carriage would, would go over and he'd lose control. The other one says, I'm so good, I think I can get one wheel off and I can still bring it back. But that third one, and he got the job. He looked at this, this old lady and said, ma'am, I'm gonna stay as far away from that cliff as I possibly can. We should want to stay, verse number 25, we should want to stay as far away from being wrong towards our spouse, our children, and our friends as we possibly can. Don't test it. Don't push it. Don't, don't see what you can get by with. Don't keep things from your spouse. Now, I know there are surprises that come up. I mean, Jack and I have lied to her I don't know how many times to keep something from her because we want to surprise her. And Jack's good at it. He just snickered over here. I mean, don't you think all kids and teenagers are good at sort of fudging everything? Somebody agree with me. They know what they want to do to get their way. So they learn it. And I hate to say it, he probably learned it from me. Because he had no other real example. I mean, I know he gets it out there in the schools. But we should want to be as far away from wrong as possible. <coughs> Never once should we tempt our spouse. Never once should we tempt our children. And children, do not tempt your parents because you will lose. I'm just going to tell you right now. It's not going to work. It's not going to work in what you have to do or don't do, and it's not going to work in the eyes of the Lord because he's pretty clear. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. And he goes on to say that if you, in the book of Ephesians, if you do it, that, man, you're going to add years to your life. Not that your parent is going to want to kill you, but that longevity. We ought to do these things to please the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it. I go back and read that time and time again. Let me just tell you, folks, somebody preaching out of Ephesians chapter 5, if you go home mad, I'm not sure it got preached right. If you go home angry at what the preacher said, I'm not sure you're following after the way the Lord wants you to live. I think it goes both ways. But I want you to see here, husbands love your wives even as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it. Church was, the, Christ was ready to present the church 
without spot or wrinkle. And it says, so ought men to love their wives. That we want to make them pleasing unto the Lord. That when the day comes, and here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to step before the Lord one of these days. We're going to step in his presence, either by death or by rapture. I go back to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 5. Therefore, we are always confident, verse number 6, knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I'm, I'm hearing that more and more every single day. Lord, I'm, I'm ready for you to come back. Lord, I don't know why I'm still here. Lord, I wish you'd just take me on. Don't, don't rush God. Don't get out ahead of God. He knows what you need. He knows where you're at. He knows what he's doing. He knows what you're doing. He knows how you feel. He knows. He, there's nothing about you that he doesn't know, so don't get out ahead of God. And it says, wherefore, we labor. We, we work while we're still here. Husbands, wives, children, servants, employees. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Living, our, living the word, doing the word, and loving the word. And by loving the word, listen to this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, the doing part, according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're all going to stand. But I say this, and I say this with all sincerity and confidence of what God's word says. Husbands will be held accountable for their family. That gets a hold of me once in a while. Now I know it says every person will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I will not answer for my son and his wrong choices about the Lord. Although I will answer for what I did or did not do to keep him from doing it. It's his choice as to what he does. He's made his profession of faith. In fact, he's made it twice. He settled it again the second time because he's older. He saw the reality of what was happening. He will be responsible for his actions before the Lord. That ought to humble him. My wife, Sherry, will be responsible for her actions before the Lord. Every church member will be responsible for their actions before the Lord. Husbands, I believe even more so. We will be responsible not only for ourselves, but the Bible says that I need to present my wife holy, spotless, without wrinkle. That's my wife. I believe it goes to my family. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be Burned, it shall, it shall suffer loss. 
but he himself shall be saved, yet so by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Live the word, do the word, love the word. And I believe we'll be on a good path. Father, we love you. I ask you to take this message and all the other before this. I ask you to use them to your glory. But I also ask you to use them to get a hold of all of us. Of how we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing, what's pleasing to you, what's unpleasing to you. What it means to be a husband, a wife, a child, a pastor, a church member, a leader, a follower, all of the above. Father, we need this in a day that we're living. And Father, I pray that you use these messages. Get them out. And yes, I'm going to say this. I pray that everyone watching and listening, or for those just listening on the phone, I have a way of getting it to them in whatever form they want it, that they can give it to others. And yes, for those watching, I literally pray that they share these messages with their family and friends. Folks, we're, Lord, we're, we're in a time that folks are not following after your word. We're in a time that families are falling apart. Children are going down wayward paths and destructive paths. They don't even know the truth anymore. And Father, that's our generation that's going to be leading us one of these days. And if they're not leading us in the ways of the Bible and living, us, living as the Bible and doing as the Bible and loving as the Bible says, Lord, we're in a mess. So Lord, I pray that these messages get out. I believe they're the most important messages I've ever preached. You have laid some heavy stuff on me, Lord. I pray I do it. Lord, help my family build our church, for you said that you would add to the church daily if we would do the work of obedience and faithfulness, being a witness one to another, sharing the gospel to those who are lost, being a helping hand to those that are burdened, bearing their burden and so fulfilling the law of Christ. Father, help us to be the Christian we ought to be. Lord, I commit these, these messages to you and the power of the Holy Spirit to spread them across the land. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for them all, for it's in Christ's precious and sweet name that we pray. Amen. Well, folks, we'll be back on again Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I'm planning on being back at the church. I want you to join me online and on the phone one more time. And then we're going to be hopefully back in church next Sunday, February 13th. 10.30 in the morning. Pray for my family. I'll pray for you. Pray for those that have been dealing with this illness that are in our church and having to make some transitions and, and, and healing. All kinds of things I could ask you to pray for. I just ask you to pray according to what God lays on your heart. I hope you have a good night. I hope you have a restful night. And may God bless you. And I'll see you soon.